Hi, I'm Bradley Smart, President and CEO of S-Smart, here to tell you all about BruceFest, the definitive Bruce Campbell Film Festival, returning to the Stanley Hotel this December 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Join us for an intimate weekend with 300 other true Bruce Campbell fans for a world-exclusive first look at a piece from Evil Dead Rise. Bruce will be joined by special guest Ted Raimi for screenings, signings, photo opportunities, a cocktail party, a props exhibit featuring pieces from Sam Raimi's private collection, an immersive mystery set in the Evil Dead universe, and so much more. Tickets and info can be found at brucefest.co. We can't wait to see you there. And remember, shop smart, shop S-smart. And I am here to tell you all about our corporate overlords over at Fangoria. This classic magazine has been at it for over 40 years and is back and better than ever. Not only is Fangoria highly collectible, if you get yourself an annual subscription, it comes right to your front door four times a year, and each issue is filled to the brim with articles exploring every nook and cranny of genre filmmaking past, present, and future, with all the most exciting journalists, filmmakers, and horror know-it-alls to guide the way, including your intrepid KingCast hosts. This high-quality writing will only ever appear within the physical pages of the magazine, so if you want to join in on the fun, and you damn well better, you'll need to subscribe. To do that, all you have to do is head on over to Fangoria.com and sign up. And since KingCast listeners are in the family, you can enter in the promo code KingCast at checkout to save a whopping 25% off your order. Now with all that said, on with the show. My name is Stephen King. The ice is gonna break! Bad love! Bad love! Ah! You guys wanna go see a dead body? Well, sometimes, that is better. Hello and welcome back to the KingCast on the Fangoria Podcast Network. My name is Eric Vespi. And I'm Scott Wampler. And we are your hosts. We got a returning guest for y'all today, dare I say, a listener favorite guest at that. You'll know him as the author of The Only Good Indians, My Heart is a Chainsaw, and for his many, 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 ungodly many horrific tales of creepy spider encounters throughout his life. (laughs) He has a new project out right now called The Clown Brigade, which is currently available on ebook and audiobook exclusively on Scribd. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Stephen Graham Jones back to the KingCast. Man, I'm thrilled, I'm thrilled to be back. Thanks for having me, y'all. Yes, it's a good day excited. when Mr. Stephen Graham Jones is back on the show. So we're very <laughs> happy to have you here, and we're happy that you picked a very interesting story to talk about. We'll dive yes. into it later, but you've chosen The Monkey, yeah, which is one of the creepier tales from Skeleton Crew, I must say. No, when I, I was agree. a kid, I, I thought that Monkey Shines oh, so did was, I. was yeah. based on this story. Because totally. I, just, so I. I just saw the cover box and just assumed. Yeah. I mean, Kids I, are I stupid. Saw, I saw until like until this morning when I clicked on monkey signs and you know. <laughs> um, I, I've got to ask you. We want to we want to talk to you about Clown Brigade uh, yeah. right up front, but before yeah. we get to that, and because we don't have we have a little extra time because we don't have to do your Stephen King origin story. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Since we last spoke with you, have you had any horrifying encounters with insects, reptiles, or other dangerous animals? <laughs> Or um, axe what? handles? Any axe no, handle encounters? You know, a whole lot of snakes. I guess since the last time I talked to you, I've had a lot of snake, a lot of snake encounters. Um, I'm Go always on. out on the, I'm out on the trails up here, and um, and mostly I encounter what they call up here, um, gopher snakes, which I think is a bull snake. 
in mm-hmm. Texas, you know, or I think they're cousins anyways. I'm not, I'm not like a snake. They're not scary they, poisonous ones. Yeah. No, they're not. I think they'll, they'll bite you, but you don't really care about it too much, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, sure. But yeah, yeah. I encounter a whole lot of them dudes and um, sometimes I play with them. Sometimes I just, you know, usher them off the trail, but it's not, it's not terribly scary. Lots of them, lots of them know that if they pretend like they have poison, that people will stay away from them. So yeah. they, uh-huh. they, they coil up and they strike and stuff, but it's all, it's all in play, you know? But not they wiggle their tails like the rattlesnakes. I've yeah, seen exactly. Yeah. exactly. They're just yeah. being playful. That's all. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah. Like, when I you, when I, you yeah. go ahead. Oh, and they're snakeheads. They're probably like terrified that they're going to die. I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you say you're out there on the trails, what are you doing? You riding horse? You ambling along? What's going on? Uh, I'm on my mountain bike. I'm always on my mountain bike, blasting up and down trails. Like when I have a when oh, I had a wall, right on. when I had a, when I had a wall in a story or a script or whatever. Then I go bounce around the trails for two or three hours, and usually it works itself out. Interesting. interesting. Yeah, uh, the, uh, King has a very similar thing. That's why he goes on long yeah. walks a lot. So he, he has yeah. so many stories about. I mean, he doesn't really talk about getting writer's block, mm-hmm. but he like it's just part of his routine now. I think where he yeah he just uh, it has been since the early days, mm-hmm. I guess, because that's mm-hmm. how he came up with it and a lot of the mm-hmm. like Cujo, like kind of all that yeah. sp- sperm. Uh, I, uh, I almost you say spawned. sperm. I was going to say spurned and then I'm like, nope, spawned. <laughs> and then that turned into sperm, which which uh, is is also very problematic. So it's probably I thought, I, I thought you were about to say sperm of the moment. Sperm of the moment, which uh, in 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 uh, AVN context would would make sense, I guess, but <laughs> but not know, so much like, in a Stephen King podcast, right? When King was up here um, promoting Doctor Sleep in Boulder, he did a big like event up at Chautauqua, which is like a big place up on the mountain, and it's where all the people from the stand gathered. Mm. And he he was talking about going on one of those long rambling walks in Boulder, and how he was walking across a bridge mm. in his cowboy in his cowboy boots, and it was kind of clomping and making an echoey sound underneath. And he says that he stopped and he thought what if something was down there and what if it was a clown you know which is the coolest story every time i ride over that bridge i think of that story <laughs> yep christ yep yep you know that's very famous wait so yeah. do you live in texas do you live in boulder or do you boulder. go back and forth okay. no I'm, I'm only in boulder yep. i thought you were in texas for some reason used to be i was in texas for most of my life well until about 14 years ago then i came up here is that because you, your story of uh, you almost getting arrested for murder? That was a Texas story, right? <laughs> that was a Texas story, right? Specifically yeah. a Texas story. But no, I came up here just because a, a university called me. Up. I was I was working at Texas Tech, and the school up here called me and said more money, less work, and mountains. So I said, "What the heck, you know?" <laughs> oh shit! When were you working at Tech? I was at Tech from 1999 until 2008. No shit. Yeah, I uh, I I very briefly attended. Texas Tech, really? Uh, in '99, yeah. Oh wow! One semester, uh, wow. I went. Well, I, you know, as I've mentioned on the show before, I went to military school for high school, mm-hmm. which they called mm-hmm. a college prep school. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was complete horseshit because, <laughs> um, you know, uh, their idea of college prep was not what an actual college prep would be. You know, being yeah, locked yeah. up in a place with like, yeah. you know, uh, no, no ladies, no cars. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, we had. Of course, there was drugs coming through there yeah. and whatnot, but yeah. like uh, no freedom, you know, so it yeah. pre- prepared me in no conceivable way for, for college <laughs> living. I, mean, I stopped yeah. going to classes almost immediately. I was like, I just don't want to yeah. do this. Yeah, my, um, my, my brother went to military school as well, and that's that's kind of his story, too, you know? Yeah, yeah. that's how a lot of those a lot of former military uh, yeah. school guys turn out like that. They either go into 
the armed forces yeah. and they're like, that's just their fucking life because mm-hmm. they, they love that shit or mm-hmm. they become podcast hosts. That's, <laughs> that's pretty much it. That's the only only choice you get. That's wonderful, man. Yeah. So so tell us about um, Clown Brigade. Oh, Clown Brigade. It's about a it's kind of a love story that um, veers dark, you could say. It's mm-hmm. got it's got clowns in it. This dude goes to another city to to see a girl and start seeing clowns everywhere and mm. kind of menacing menacingly. I think anytime you see a clown in the wrong context, it feels kind of menacing, you know, even and, in the right context, I think exactly. <laughs> it can for sure, man. Yeah, it can, yeah. definitely. McDonald's um, playground. Still no good. Still <laughs> yeah, no it's good. Not, it's not, especially no, it's, not there. It's, it's terribly uncomfortable, but, um, you know, I was, I was, I was, I was, I'm, I'm still afraid, I guess, that this story is going to get me in trouble, you know, that the wrong person is going to read it or something. I don't want that to happen. But, um, so I tried to, I tried to build it such that it would, um, not invite bad people, if that makes sense, which is what, hard. Like it's copycats? Hard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that's interesting. Yeah. Like copycat why would it clowns? Can you tell us why it might <laughs> do that without spoiling the story? Um, why it might do that? Because, I think if I'd written the story differently where it sensationalized or kind of um, validated or yeah. yeah, what, 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 what Kyle, the main character, the place he ends up at, then um, it could become like, you always hear about people finding catcher in the rye and all these like um, mm. bad people's um, bookshelves, you know? And, right. And that to me would be the living nightmare. If any of my books became that book, you know, I don't think that Salinger, he didn't do anything to make, Catcher in the Rye be a book that people like that, you know, sure. use as gospel or something. Right. But um but So yeah. what are you worried about yeah. specifically? Are you worried that people are gonna get into clown clowning and like sign up for Cirque <laughs> Soleil or what's Yeah, I guess um <laughs> I'm worried that the the type of thinking that I was investigating with Kyle mm-hmm. could be seen as um I don't know about righteous, but not wrong anyways. Mm. Sure. I, I get it. Yeah. You got to yeah. be careful with that shit these days. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. But uh, at the same time, I felt compelled to investigate, you know, the, the these Kyle types, you know, because they seem to be a phenomenon. It's not like sweeping the nation or anything, but they're popping up a lot more than they used to. But uh-huh. they're getting, getting a lot more news time. Anyway, I don't know. They're, they're doing terrible stuff, you know, and um, and I can't figure it out. I can't figure out why this is happening. And so... I, I don't know how to answer questions in the real world, so I go to story to answer questions. <laughs> right. I well, I got I got two questions for you on the back. Of yeah. That. One, you know, Stephen King famously pulled uh, mm-hmm. rage off shelves. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, if something like that were to happen with one of your stories, would you do the same thing? Oh yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. Oh, it's actually I did a story, man. It's been a few years now. It's called Interstate Love Affair. I think that's what it's called. It's uh-huh. about a, a killer dude who. Um, we we initially see him slouching through d- different um, kennels and pounds and Craigslist, like lost pet things. And what he's doing is getting big dogs and he needs those big dogs because he's killing people left and right. And what he does is he, you know, kills those dogs, scoops out their insides and pieces up the people he kills and puts them in those dogs and then puts those dogs on the interstate for the big trucks to, to run flat. And nobody what? ever looks... And nobody ever looks inside one of those dogs on the road. Right. You know? And and so I thought it was a wonderful way to hide hide people. But right. then when it was published, I'm like, oh no, what if, what if, you know? And the result of that is every roadkill I see on the road now, I like hesitate over it, you know, which is weird. <laughs> you would okay. <laughs> so like like in other words, you don't want to drive over it 
because it could contain human body parts. Yeah, exactly. Or I'm just wondering. But before who... this, you would have driven straight over the roadkill. <laughs> Probably. I mean, um, just to help it be gone, I guess, so it didn't puncture somebody's tire. But um, that's a that's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, but it's it it did it like haunted up the road in front of me. If that makes sense, you know. I was in a I was in a car once with uh, my girlfriend at the time, and there was like a dead snake in the road. Mm-hmm. And without even really thinking, I just drove over it, and she mm-hmm. shrieked at me for like four yeah. minutes or straight over this. Like, why would you do that? I'm like, I don't know. I saw a dead <laughs> snake. I just drove over it. Like, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. Did you swerve out of your way this. to hit it? No. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah, a I little. Can, <laughs> you know, the, the, the trick. I guess what, as you know, being in Texas, like when you run over a, a rattlesnake, the fangs can get in the. Um, in the tire and so when you're when you're checking your tire for a screw or something you can snag one of those fangs and get venom in you you know yeah. holy shit this state wants to kill us <laughs> it does, man. like in so many ways yeah but you know ta- talking about um snakes on the road i was I mean, many years ago it's probably been 15 years my kids were young like four and six or seven or something and yeah. we're driving on a small little two-lane way back somewhere and on the road in front of us, we see this big old snake sitting on the yellow stripes and it's coiled up and, and we're, we weren't going super fast, you know, 30 or 40 miles per hour. It was a little, ro- a little road. And my kids get over the, the back of the front seat and they're like, dad, dad, what is that? What is that? And I told them it's a snake. And they said, what kind? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. And so I veered over a little bit and opened my door and held my hand out and grabbed that snake as we went by. And then I held it out the window for about a mile while they looked at it. And luckily it didn't bite me. I never really figured out what kind it was, but that was, it was kind of a rush, you know? You, you, you did a drive by <laughs> snake grabbing? Yeah. <laughs> what I'm hearing? Yeah. And it, it made my kids think I was cool for the moment, you know? <laughs> I don't think that there is. I, I could live to 90 and never have a story as just fucking badass as what you just said right there. Like, so nonchalantly. <laughs> yeah. just like, Oh, my kids were interested in this, this snake that was coiled up in, in the road. And so I just clocked open my door as I was speeding by snatched it up and held it out the window so they could see it. That's yeah, some was... Mad Max shit. <laughs> <laughs> I I might... pic- Go ahead. As I said, I'm picturing the raising Arizona, like the baby in the the center thing. You just drive it yeah, by, right, and right, it yeah. right on the front of your motorcycle. Yeah, that 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 is that's one of the best scenes. I love that scene. Mm. Um, did I tell you all wasp wasp story last time I was on? Do you remember wasp I story? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, and this was in shoot, junior high, probably seventh grade, eighth grade. I don't know. I'm in a drama class. I don't know why I'm in a drama class, but um, and so we're backstage doing drama stuff. I don't remember. And there's wasp flying around. And so I snagged that wasp. I catch it with my fist and I'm shaking it to keep it from biting me. And then the, the teacher of the teacher, of course, is like, Stephen, what, what's up? And I'm like, I caught a wasp. And she said, let that go. It's making a distraction. But, I, it was a mad <laughs> but it was now a mad wasp, you know, so uh-huh. if I let it go, right. it's going to bite somebody. And I thought, and I didn't want to be the reason that a wasp bites somebody. And so I, I shook it for like four or five more seconds thinking what to do. And finally, I just put my fit, the side of my fist in my mouth and sucked that wasp in and chewed it up between my teeth and spit it out. And so I became what? a hero. I became a hero <laughs> for my class that day. And it still didn't sting you? <laughs> no, it didn't. I bit it fast. Man. Why didn't you I'm- just crush it in your hand? I, I always, always yep. want to try to do cool stuff. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it would never in a million years occur to me <laughs> no that shit. I haven't wasp that, that I'm trying to keep from stinging me and everybody else. So I, so my solution, that would be to chew it up <laughs> to put it in the we'll softest it in part mouth. of my body. Yeah. <laughs> the internal yeah. part. And yeah. apparently it works. You just got to be confident. It sounds like you, you got to have the confidence of Stephen Graham Jones in order to deal with these. <laughs> Bitey, stingy creatures. Yeah, Good Lord. 
But well, I've, had, I've, had, I've had stuff like that go south too. Somebody dared me once to put a lady finger between my teeth and light it and let it blow up, and I did. And that just that wrecked my lips and my mouth and my face for a while. Well, yeah. Not, not fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, Stephen, there, there's a difference between doing cool stuff and foolish things. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like yeah. Bugs Bunny with a fucking light with a cigar. <laughs> like, come on, yeah. dude. I also, um, also got also got dared once to drink a flaming Dr Pepper without blowing it out first. So I did that. I drank it, but man, it blistered my face up to my eyebrows. It burned my my oh eye, yeah my it burned all the what are they those little hairs on your eyelids called what, eyelashes? That's it. Yeah, <laughs> burned those off. It was not fun, man. No. My other my other question about clown brigade. Huh? This guy, you said he sees uh, clowns starting yeah. to appear out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, I assume this is inspired by that rash of clown sightings. From some years back, yes, yeah, that that was kind of associated with um, the first It movie, wasn't it? It seems seems like they were at least at the same moment in, in time. But the, um, yeah, there were rumors that it was like it was yeah. some viral marketing, but like the studios yeah. totally denied it. So yeah, 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 because it seems kind of unsafe. But um, but wasn't <laughs> um, that happening? Didn't that happen? Like it was going on before the movie showed up, or oh. after? Like because I remember having the thought like that same thought but then like the timeline didn't work maybe okay. or something right. but yeah yeah because that was going to be my ne- next question was like what do you what do you think was going on there yeah but, i'm not sure what was going on but um i mean maybe maybe it was juggalos i don't know man <laughs> what they were doing their <laughs> thing but um um you know i it makes sense that it would be inspired by that little rash of you know clown whatever was mm-hmm. going on back when but not really no um in the acknowledgments i talk about kind of where I think the story triggers. And for me, it's about probably 18 years ago. I'm, I go to an amusement park after dusk with two people. And as we go in, like there was some clown theme going on in the, in the amusement park. I forget what it was. And it was close to Halloween. And the two people I was with were really sure to tell me, they said, Steven, Steven, we are terrified of clowns. You know, we cannot handle if we see a clown. And so we're wending through the amusement park, trying to avoid anywhere clowns might be. And we go into like a wild west part or something. And for some reason, I don't know why there's like 20 clowns all having a smoke break around the corner. And, <laughs> and, and as one, they just look over to us and they have fangs, you know, like, Holy and, Christ. And, and they just all lurch over and surround us. And the two people I'm with just collapse on the ground and fetal up. And they're just like cry, crying. And, um, and it was kind of scary for me too. I'm not like terrified of clowns like they are. I think they got traumatized. I just kind of got spooked. But um, and one that, by one, you suck the clowns into your mouth <laughs> and spit them in half. Yeah, for sure. Chew them up, well, spit them out, and they could hurt nobody else from that. From that point yeah. On. Well, when the clowns realized that these two people were having a real like traumatic moment, they tried to hide their fangs and be nice and you know pretend like they were people and everything. But it, it was already <laughs> it was already too late. You know. Good lord. <laughs> Well, it's going to take me a minute to recover from that story, but, um, oh, okay. Yeah. I remember what we're here to talk about. Uh, (laughs) yeah, the monkey, that's that's what it was. Um, you know what, you know what, why I chose this, this story? No, please tell us. Number one, it's like totally random. Um, I just kind of opened up skeleton crew and I was paging through the table of contents and I landed on the monkey because, um, I didn't remember the story at all, first of all, but, um, when I was in high school, I was going to Air Academy High in Colorado Springs my junior year and had this this friend down the road. We always hung up and played hacky sack after school. And one day we both had gone home and he called me and I thought he was asking, calling to see if I was coming down to, to hack in his driveway like always. 
And he said, dude, I got a monkey. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, I got a monkey. Come down here. And he was always telling me lies. But I went down there. And sure enough, he had a full size. It wasn't a chimp. It was some sort of like more square headed monkey. But it was big. And it was like totally trashing this place up. It was like throwing stuff everywhere. It was super strong. And we played with that monkey until evening. And then on the 10 o'clock news, the Colorado Springs news said, somebody's lost a monkey. Can y'all please turn it in? So we called and turned it in because we didn't know what to do with it. But it was really fun to play with that monkey for the afternoon. <laughs> the silence there's just how do we how do you follow I don't, up that what <laughs> at some point I, I we're gonna start thinking you're fucking with us and with, with these right. stories by the way i want we're gonna hook you up to a lie detector test for the next episode we're gonna go through all these stories and figure out what is happening here. yeah um but the, you know that guy that friend too he always told me, like people, when you're a sophomore and a junior in high school, they always ask, what do you want to do with your life? What are you going to be? And I would I would have all kinds of stuff. I'm going to be a Blue Angels pilot. I'm going to be an architect. It was Writer was never what I was going to be. And mm-hmm. whenever they asked my friend, what do you want to be? He'd always say, I just want to shoot people. And oh, <laughs> <laughs> and so I lost track with him after graduation. And I went to his house two or three years later. His granddad still lived there. And I said, hey, where where is this? Let's call him Chris. Where, where's Chris? And um. And he said, oh, you didn't hear? I said, no. He said, Chris, he joined the Marines. He's in the Philippines. He's a sniper now. So he's living his dream. He got to go shoot people, you know? <laughs> it's a weird well, Good for you, Chris. That's a heartwarming story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, for anyone who has uh, not read The Monkey or anyone where it's been a while since you read that one, would you be willing to lay out the, uh, the plot? Sure this one before we yeah. go on yeah hal he's a software architect which i think means programmer back in 1980 you know which is a yeah. weird way to say it um he has lost his job and had to move to a lesser paying job in a different state brought his family with him what is that what are their kids names um dennis and pete i think dennis and pete yeah pete that's yeah. right yeah and his wife is terry and um his one of his like his aunt i think it is great aunt aunt she dies and so they go back to take care of her place and while they're there, they find a little, um, it's one of the, what do you call those monkeys that, um, it's, I mean, it's, it's one of those monkeys with the symbols, which we all, which, yeah, you know, from like mon- monkey up. shines. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it's really off putting for Hal because he, he blames this monkey for a lot of deaths in his childhood and including his parents and, and he threw that monkey into a well years and years ago and he thought it was over. It was done with, but the monkey's back. The monkey always comes back and it's now jeopardizing him and his family. He has to act against it. Yeah. Very succinct. Very correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, no notes. Where do we want to start with this one? I have a question. Have y'all read the original that showed up in gallery? I can't find that original. I hear it. No, like it, no. it's supposed to be different. Oh, interesting. No, yeah. I haven't. I wanted to, and I wanted to mention that because, um, or I wanted to mention it at some point during the show. I was going to find an organic way to do it, but you have you have <laughs> shot right to right to that, and we'll get right to that right now. But yeah, this this was first published as a, a uh, Wikipedia says a booklet included yeah. in Gallery Magazine. Um, you know, once again, a titty mag, which was yeah. uh, you know the the places that that a young king was yeah. uh, submitting short stories to back in the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm imagining that it was. Just like a little, like, like this, like some magazines have a fold out. Po- uh, well, I imagine that one had a fold out poster. But yeah. in addition to that, it also had like a little collector's booklet in it. I bet those are yeah. worth a lot of money. 
I bet so, man. Mm. I would, I'd love to see it. I'd love, I'd love to see it with the original of this story too. I think it's really neat, you know. And because I came up as a writer, knowing that Stephen King had started out publishing in gallery and those type places, when I started out submitting stories, I submitted to like Jugs and those those same kind of magazines in my era, you know. And I still have one of the rejections I got from Jugs. It was J U G G S. That's a magazine. Yes. And yes. I'm, and they wrote back and they said, this is a fine story, but um, you didn't read our submission guidelines. We need we need lots of rests in the story. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> our like, readers <laughs> crack the pages of this magazine. <laughs> they expect one thing and one thing only, and that is breasts. <laughs> You're like, it's a, it's a story about a ghost ship or something. They're like, couldn't yeah. it be called the SS Titties? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Wikipedia yeah. does say this one was significantly revised and published later in, in Skeleton Crew. So Yeah, yeah. I found I a copy am... of the original booklet on eBay for 50 bucks. Oh, no yeah. shit. It's not oh, bad. Wow. It's not bad at all. Wow. Be a I see another, thing, another like, really beat jug- up wait, one. Wait, hold on. Is it Jugs branded? <laughs> no. Oh, wait, no. It's Gallery Magazine. Excuse me. Yeah, you're right. no, it is. It, it's weird because it kind of just by itself it looks like a Stephen Wait. King cover. Does the monkey uh, have tits? On the does the monkey have tits? Uh, that would be a huge revision. I'll go ahead and throw this link in the chat there. And then getting the in the way of my cinder, and somebody died. Uh, and this is a Texas. This is kind of a Texas story too, isn't it? It is. You, yeah, I yeah. live in Texas now. Yeah, man. It is. Yeah. I um I hadn't read this one in I I don't know a very very long time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was more it was more involved than I remember. I remember yeah. the story being maybe ten pages long. It's yeah. it's it's longer than that. Or the yeah. uh, version of it I read today was and right. Um, the uh. I, I'll start here. The, yeah, the yes. first thing I noticed about this story is that, okay, so it's set in the present day, but a lot of it is the main character, Hal, sort of flashing back to his uh-huh. earlier experiences with the monkey. And you learn about various people that it has killed before he ultimately threw it down a well and now it's come back, right? Yeah. 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 So it's kind of flashing back and forth between those two things. And um, the first uh, murder the monkey pulls off is of a babysitter named Beulah. Mm-hmm. which is uh, which should be of note to uh really oh, hardcore too. king fans because uh Beulah is the name of the babysitter that Stephen King uh Stephen King wrote about in on writing he used what well, who's who's his mother hired and she would come over to the house and uh, uh often sit on Stephen King's face and fart <laughs> like and he tells that story in on writing and um <laughs> Here she is again, popping <laughs> up in the monkey and getting killed right yeah, off the bat. Yeah, yeah. I was like, holy shit. It was like, man, it was it was like the ending of the usual suspects where like so these things were like clicking together for me. And I was like, oh, my God, yeah. that's hilarious. Yeah. No, there, there's a lot like this story. It almost feels like it's not like a Rosetta Stone for King's work, but it's a lot of like his common themes are in here. I feel like, you know, mm, you've, sure. got a, you've got an absent father. Um, you've got the, I mean, and then, then, then when Hal gets kind of violent with, I think it's Dennis. Um, yeah. That, that's he's a dick. He yeah. kind of is for sure. He's not as bad as Jack Torrance, but he's not a good dude. You know, <laughs> he's well, he's kind of trying to overcome his demons anyways. Right. You know, yeah. He's a few um, cases of whiskey away from being Jack Torrance though. You know, yeah, he's like no, slamming totally. this kid into the wall and shit. Totally. And, 
Oh, and also, just like it, you've got a horror that returns cyclically, you know? Yeah. It feels like. Also yeah. true. Yeah. And it's got the feel of like a classic. You know, this has like a, um, you know, we talk a lot about King's, uh, you know, obvious respect and love for like old EC comic stories, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? And this this yeah. one to me has a, is like hugely EC yeah. comics in tone. Especially if you just look at the present tense of the story, the Hal and his kids, that feels 100% EC. What doesn't feel EC is all these long dropbacks into the past, into Hal's childhood, you know, because in EC comics, you didn't really have time for that. You had to have, you know, narrative mm. propulsion the whole way through because you only had like six or eight pages. I'm willing to bet that that's where the revisions occurred. Yeah, I, I think expect so. Yeah. yeah, like filling in those previous deaths and maybe, maybe mm-hmm. originally these were like two or three sentences a piece and now yeah. he's, yeah. you know, padding it out but yeah 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 there's also yeah there's also an interesting angle here which is fascinating uh to me in that so much of the story is about how losing connection with his older son Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right this is the one that he he kind of slams against the wall or whatever but it's it's for a a titty magazine insert Mm -hmm. uh maybe this is that wasn't in the original but for a titty magazine insert there's a whole lot of like really deep like things about a father losing connection with his son like the son's growing beyond him you know and all this kind of deep introspection of like you know i love him but i don't like him you know i don't like you know this person and that that's way more complicated than you'd expect from a scary monkey toy story you know but that's also you know something that has popped up before in you know when we've covered stories that originally appeared in these like you know adult Mm -hmm. magazines that king Mm -hmm. wrote uh here i'm thinking specifically of say children of the corn right Mm. and how shitty the relationship is between the two leads like right off the bat and he's like you know the the guy is the uh it's from the perspective of the the, the dude in that relationship and he's like wanting to hit his wife in the face, like within yeah. two pages of that story yeah. starting. Right yeah. now yeah. here's another one where, you know, he doesn't come right out and say like, um, that Hal is justified in his behavior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, his anger clearly exists beyond whatever is going on with this monkey, you yeah. know, like yeah. he's, he's, oh, yeah. he's mad at his job. He's mad at his wife. You know, she yeah. won't stop popping Valiums, even throws yeah. that in her face at one point. He's mad at his, his damn kids. He likes one, but he, you know, it says outright that he, he just feels rage toward the other one. <laughs> right. Um, and seemingly only because the kid's kind of mouthy with him. Um, and I think that's sort of an interesting <clears throat> thing to note here that, like, in these stories that were making their way into adult magazines, it's sort of like, the guy's just doing, trying to do the right thing. If it weren't for his damn wife or his damn yeah. kids, you yeah. know, yeah. it's, uh, it's hard not to notice that trope. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's source material. Uh, yeah, once no, you start I, looking at it, I totally agree. And, you know, also talking about Terry, the wife, um, I think that the, I mean, it feels like just mechanics wise or craft wise, the reason she's always popping those volumes is to make her a non-person in the story. Cause if there's one more person in the story, then the story is going to get like 5,000 words longer. You know, if, if she's mm. raising, if she's raising rational concerns and being like a parent instead of this checked out entity, then um, the story, it like it's like it's center changes or something. I think hmm. for how to peel feel properly in battle that needs to be like more his battle only if that makes sense and and that's also 
her being checked out all the time escapes hell from having to try to explain it to her, you know, which is going to be a big, long process. Hmm. One interesting thing I noticed on, uh, on this read was that when I was a kid and I read the story, I remember being horrified by the ending. Yeah. All these, the image of all these dead fish in a lake was just, Mm. I may even have read this when I was a kid, like while I was at my family's lake house up on Lake Texoma, you know, and I always didn't really like that place. And, um, you know, it was like that had more to do with the people there, I think, than anything else. They were um, how do I put this? Pretty rednecky, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. a lot of Confederate mm-hmm. flags up yeah. in that area of the yeah. of the state. Yeah. And um, they were, you know, just like strolling around out in the out in the roads with like open beers and their guts hanging out mm-hmm. of like bathing mm-hmm. suits. And all of them have leather feet because no one wears shoes. And mm-hmm. like I found mm-hmm. these people were like alien to me at that time. Yeah. And I would just felt very uncomfortable around them. So that lake always had like an ominous feeling to me when I was a kid that I could never really identify. It was the people, but it was also just the, uh, the inherent danger of the lake. Like I almost got blinded on that lake once when I was a wow. kid and like wow. fucking, you know, my family Did you get cu- dared to, to put a firecracker in your eyeball. <laughs> no, this is, this is, this will be the opposite of one of Steven's stories. Cause I'm going to look very uncool. But what happened was, um, Texoma is a big lake. It has islands and shit that you can, you know, go out to my family had like a, a little motorboat and uh, we would go to the lake house maybe once every month, every two months, something like that. And often my my folks would let me bring a friend with me, you know, just to keep me entertained, because I think they could tell I didn't really uh-huh. have anything to do up there. And uh, so we uh, my friend Sean came with us out to the lake. And uh, one day we went out on the boat and we went to one of the islands and just kind of posted up out there on the beach. And uh, my my folks are up on the beach, you know, with a cooler and a radio or whatever. And me and Sean were about 20 feet off the off the beach in the water doing this thing where we would we would go underwater and get handfuls of this, you know, Texoma is like dark black, like almost clay like uh, Mm -hmm. mud in it. Right. Mm -hmm. And we would get handfuls of that and then pop up out of the water and fucking throw them at each other. And then we dunk back under the water, grab another handful. We were like having a mud fight. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, at one point I went under the water to get a handful. And when I popped up out of the water, like the second my head was fully uh, uh, out of the water and my eyes open, Sean was suddenly like four feet from me. And he already had his hand cocked back with a big handful of mud and fucking threw it right in my face. Yeah. And this mud like went all in my eyes. And so instinctively, what I did was I like reached up and started rubbing my eyeballs, right. you know, yeah, through yeah. my eyelids. And suddenly I couldn't see oh. and everything was like fucking dark. And I started freaking out, you know, yeah. and uh, sort of like wandered toward in the direction of where I thought my parents were and was like yelling for them. My dad comes running over and he tells me later, he's like, he's like, man, you open your eyes. And they were just jet black. He was wow. like, it was one of the creepiest things I've ever seen in my fucking life. <laughs> wow. So my parents didn't know what to do. They fucking throw all of us back in the boat. Now we got to go back across the lake. We got to put the, the, the boat on a trailer. We got to take the trailer back to the house. Then we got to drive like 30 miles or whatever it was to a, uh, to a hospital where the doctors 
flipped my eyelids inside out, uh, hosed out my, uh, like the orbs of my eyeballs all the way around with like a little hose and then smeared this like, um, kind of like black light reactive or UV reactive gel into them to -hmm. determine where the scratches were on my corneas. And one of the eyes was way worse than the other. And, um, so I had to wear an eye patch for a couple of weeks, you know, (laughs) while the eye healed and had no depth perception. So I was just wandering into things and like, you know, slamming into the the corners of counters and shit. And, uh, they were like, yeah, if, there had been maybe a couple more rocks in there. You could have done some like permanent damage to both eyes. And wow. you know, you're you're a real lucky kid. They're Man. telling me as I'm sitting there with my eyelids inside out and like my yeah. eyes are radiating orange or whatever the fuck. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, wasn't yeah. a big fan of the late. Um, yeah, for sure, man. But wow, that but... that ending like freaked yeah. the fuck out of me. The the idea yeah. of all these fish floating in the yeah. lake and shit. When I reread it today, I was like, I don't know. That's not so scary, I guess. Yeah. Like a bunch of fish died, but you know, the yeah. guy got away, presumably. Yeah. You know, yeah, and sure. um, it's kinda it's kinda ends with that that news like clipping the same way Carrie opens with one, you know? Yeah. The, rock, the rocks coming down on their house or whatever. Well yeah. I, that's a question then be like there the feeling of the main character is that the, the solution that he has is there's mm-hmm. uh, this extremely deep part to Crystal Lake, by the way, mm-hmm. pre pre yeah, Jason. Know, um, yeah. There's an extremely deep part to this lake where there have been like they say what like a, a Studebaker or something yeah. gotten went yeah. missing and and all this stuff. Uh, and so his solution with the monkey showing back up um, is to put it in a bag with a bunch of rocks and drop it in this deepest, darkest mm-hmm. part of the lake. And he says mm-hmm. that it seems to work, that he feels like this is the last time uh, that the monkey you know will come back, that whatever this is. Uh, this is the actual way to stop it. Do you think that this stops the monkey? Do I think? Um, well, did y'all see that X Files episode? What's it called? Chinga. Chinga. Fifth, yeah. Fifth season. Yeah. Like where? It, I mean, I guess people kind of consider it to be a halfway adaptation of this monkey story. It's just using right. a doll instead. But um, it seems like it always comes back. You know. Yeah. Um, but you know, it also raises another question for me. Um, like, is the monkey really? evil and is it really killing people or is this all in hell's head it, i mean because there's actually as far as i can tell there's no actual proof that the monkey's doing stuff it could just be a weirdly persistent um series of monkeys with well you know, I, mean, but I well okay yeah. i was about to say yeah but it like shows up in bed with him at one point yeah. and it keeps yeah. appearing in places where it shouldn't be and yeah that yeah. and it's a broken to- toy that that it gets not broken when it yeah. wants to yeah. Well, what I'm thinking now is if we're if we're taking that approach to this story, then mm-hmm. like that it is all in Hal's head, then maybe in like a fugue state, yeah, he's getting it yeah. out of his briefcase or his, his yep. luggage or whatever the fuck, and he's right. putting it in bed with him and whatever. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. We've had this question has come up before on other King stories yeah. where it's like, is it meant to be interpreted literally or is it all in the uh-huh. character's head? And as uh-huh. I've said on the show uh-huh. before. If it's a Stephen King story, I am taking it at face value. Like every yeah, time, sure. you know, I yeah. think when he's when he's leaving something purposefully vague, mm-hmm. uh, it's very clear when it's open to interpretation. I think it's like you could read it that way. But no, it's probably what he just said. It was it is yeah. you know, an evil monkey. 
you know, I kind of, I kind of wish that, um, like this monkey had something distinctive about it, like a little, like in manufacturing, it had some imperfection in the symbol or its foot or something so that it could be the same monkey every time, you know? So I, mm. so I could, so mm. I could know I like that, it, that. Was, it was happening. You know? Yeah. Cause what happens if you fucking just tear this monkey to pieces? Exactly. Yeah. Who do you drive yeah. over it with your car? Is it going to yeah. reassemble and pop yep. up, up back in bed with you? Like, yeah. I, I, yeah. I'd like a yeah. scene like that in the story yeah. where, because with the water, and to your question, Eric, uh-huh. like I don't know if that really rules it out. Like how different, yeah. you know? I guess dumping it in the well. The story yeah. kind of goes out of its way to tell you about that Studebaker thing fell through the ice. Mm-hmm. Some poor schmuck drove his tr- his car out there, like, and you know the ice wasn't thick enough. It fell through. Mm-hmm. He escaped. Um, but this is this is you know specifically designated as the the deepest point in the lake yeah um so the implication is that no they're probably never going to find this monkey um Mm -hmm. and also you know you could then say well maybe the idea then is that if you go into the waters of that lake you stand the chance of getting killed but yeah you know how the boat that when after he drops the monkey in and takes the rowboat back to shore Uh that motherfucker falls apart like all around him and then he has to swim to shore. And at one point, he's just kind of standing there off the, yeah. like in the water, waist deep. And I'm thinking, well, the monkey. Okay. So maybe there's. He controls like, the water now. The monkey bangs its symbols and uh, there's like a radius in which it's deadly. Because mm-hmm. wouldn't it have gotten mm-hmm. uh, Hal during that time? It doesn't. Yeah. yeah. But. Um, hmm. So maybe that's not the case. Maybe the whole lake isn't like dangerous now. Yeah, but you know the talking the water though. I think water is a it's a you know recurrent motif in this story. And when I was reading it, I was I was feeling like the pressure to figure this story out because y'all's last episode with Chuck Tingle, like that dude did some serious Good homework Lord, on those right? stories. <laughs> and I was like, I gotta I gotta do better. <laughs> you know, I, I can't just guess at this stuff. But um, like like the dad is a merchant marine. He's associated with the sea with water. Right. And then we see the monkey. In the in Hal's dream, in the water cooler, making his mom die, which is a right. really really chilling scene. That's probably my favorite moment from the from mm-hmm. the story. And then the final showdown is on the water, and I feel like the reason the monkey didn't die or go away when Hal threw it into the well was that um, King it goes out of his, not out of his way, but he makes yeah. sure to note that it was just mud down there; it wasn't water. You know, I yeah, think it was dry. Like the monkey comes from a space in which there should be a father, like that the closet of his possessions, you know, the, the, the missing father's possessions. And I feel like the monkey is almost um, like a, it's a malignancy that rises in the absence of a father, you know, and, and the father being associated with water, I think that means water can potentially work against the monkey. So when Hal throws it in the water at the end, I feel like, I mean, the, the, it does still tear his boat apart and cause that, um, that storm to, to kick up, but I feel like that's a death spasm, you know, it's well, trying to that, do one last thing. Uh, but, but when he looks sure. in the well, yeah, the water has come back. Yeah. And yet the monkey yeah. has returned as well. Yeah. And, and he says like the water came back, the monkey came back. So wouldn't that tend to indicate then that the water is in league with the monkey rather the water than makes it more powerful against it. It could be. I mean, I guess I just read the water as coded for the father. I mean, maybe maybe we're supposed to think the the monkey is inhabited by the missing father or something. I don't know, but um, hmm. like if the if the if the father were a not a merchant marine, if the father were an air conditioner repairman, you know, then sure. then the water stuff would not to me carry as much weight. You know, I interpreted the merchant marine thing as just 
that means dad equals armed forces equals oh, dad okay. is probably, you know, pretty rough on him, which equals mm. maybe this explains why Hal is so rough with his family. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That would, I mean, yours, you know, your, your interpretation's probably more well, interesting. Well, the dad also you brought know, it. I realized now that we're talking about this, I don't know what a merchant marine is. Can you, can you explain what a merchant marine is, actually? Let's go to Google. Computer, enhance. <laughs> Uh, uh, uh. United States merchant marines are United States civilian mariners and U.S. civilian and federally owned merchant vessels. So it is water based. Okay, all right, but it's not military, right? They're, are they just called marines because it's like a marine environment, like not marines, civilian? Like, yeah, civilian yeah. mariners yeah. and federally owned. Okay, so it's they're like kind of. I don't know. I don't want to upset any merchant marine listeners, but like <laughs> citizens on patrol, police academy, four, oh, basically. Okay. Oh, it could be. Um, but could they're be. getting to use the boats that are federally owned. Okay. I, I that's, it, that's my understanding. They have I took 465 it to ships. Wow. Well, that's I guess a lot. They, I guess they must carry some sort of weaponry on those. I don't know. Oh. Yeah. Or maybe each one just has a monkey on it. <laughs> yeah. <I know. laughs> Uh, it'd be cool to do like a monkey horror anthology, like start with WW Jacobs, the monkey's paw, go through here. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that's, that's, it's a two story anthology so far for me, but I'm sure there's more. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you gentlemen, this, do you have any strong opinions on monkeys? I don't think we should eat them. You know, what? Who's eating monkeys? Uh, people eat, they call it bush meat, man. Yeah. That, 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 I'd, I'd feel who really weird. Eating bush monkey. Meat? People who live in the bush, I think, you know, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I would Do you know what really... they're supposed to taste like? I don't know. I would guess they taste like people, if I had to guess. Like a really in, in good shape person, you know? Probably. Yeah. Well, I bring this up because I love monkeys. Yeah. Just love a fucking monkey. Oh, yeah. I can't get enough of a monkey. If I could own a monkey, I would own a monkey. Mm-hmm. And every time I say that to someone, they're like, you would hate having a monkey. They're like, they fucking, they'll climb all over your shit. They'll break things. They'll throw yeah. shit at you. And I'm like, did you hear what I said? <laughs> I want a fucking monkey in my house. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care. I'm sure yeah. maybe I would grow to yeah. have a beef with this monkey that was living with me. But mm-hmm. I, there's something about them that it's like, that's like the animal that I just, I like if I go to a zoo, we are making a beeline to yeah. the monkeys, like straight yeah. up. No, they're, they're very cool. Um, you know, we tried having a raccoon for a while when I was young and that did not work out. I mean, a monkey, a raccoon is not a monkey, of course, it's not a primate, but they have, (laughs) they have hands and they have like intelligence, you know? And sure. And this raccoon, it was really nice when it was just a baby, whatever you call a baby raccoon. But once it got to be an adult, it took over one room of the house and we couldn't go in that room anymore. Cause yeah, they're fucking mean, aren't they? Yeah. Those are, that raccoon was mean. Yeah. And big too. Yeah. yeah, I don't think they're supposed to be domesticated, Stephen. No, I don't think so. <laughs> that was the one. So you just tonight. did you just find a baby raccoon and take it in? Yeah, my my brother, one of my little brothers, came home with a baby raccoon. I never asked him where he got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guy sold it to me out of his trunk. <laughs> don't worry about it. Yeah, Eric, yeah. do you have any opinions on monkeys? Uh, I I love monkeys. I'm kind I'm kind of like you. I think that they're a I, I love the idea of having a monkey friend, but I don't know if I'm absolutely ready for the responsibility of, of said monkey, but like, I would love to have a capuchin, you know, just a sure. little, a little, uh, monkey shines helper monkey around. Yeah. Yeah. Count me in the one that can, yeah. you know, get jealous of my girlfriends and 
yeah, I mean, that would be the coolest thing ever. They, they're cute little diapers and yeah. My monkey's that- going pants free. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> My monkey will I, not be wearing diapers. Okay. This is, this is not a I will never be visiting look. your home. What <laughs> It'll it, just be covered in monkey piss and shit. What would you, as opposed to what? What would you, uh, what would you name your monkey from? Oh my goodness! What would I call my? You clearly g- haven't thought this through, and I cannot no. take you seriously as a monkey fan. Uh, George, make him. He'll be. He'll be curious, George. Curious, George. It's not very original. I'm gonna be no, no, it isn't. Are you going to start but dressing all in yellow with a big yellow hat? <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> but I, that's how I normally dress when I'm just walking around my house. <laughs> I think. Uh, what was it? Wait. What was the? Now that. Something just occurred to me that I've never really stopped and examined before. <laughs> the man in the yellow hat was a hunter, right? Because mm, mm, he had like he has like a hunter's outfit on. He's wearing the the yellow, a red neckerchief, big yeah. yellow hat, and isn't he? I swear to God, I've seen a picture of that guy with like a big elephant gun or some shit. Huh? Was he? I don't even know. He, did he kill Curious George's parents and steal him as a That's baby? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, what exactly wow. is going on here? That Maybe the weird. man in the yellow hat kidnapped Curious George. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So Curious George is just curious about how to get home, huh? How to escape. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the uh, Zack Snyder uh, adaptation of, yeah, of Curious George. Yeah, man. When you when yeah. you said the man in the yellow hat, I first landed on. Eleven twenty two fifty three. Isn't that time right. top? Does he wear that yellow hat too? I don't know. I thought he wore yeah, a yellow hat with the yeah. little uh, press. Yeah, yeah, tag or whatever. Yeah. Isn't yeah. it? Isn't it a green card? Oh, is it? it? He gets a green card, but I think or he's got like he's got a hat with the card in it, and it changes color, and that's what. Oh, it, okay. Like the card changes color at the end, and that's how we know things have changed. But right, okay, something like that. I, it's been a yeah. while since I. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while for me as well. Yeah. Well, huh. I, I I want to circle back real quick to uh, kind of put a pin in this. Is yeah. is the monkey real or is it not? Yeah. Uh, specifically because uh, I think that there's proof in the text that it's real, and that is, it's not just Hal; it's also his son Petey that sees the monkey shines cloud that that appears over, uh, and like Petey's yeah. like pointing at it and yelling at True. it, like, "Did you see the monkey? Did you see?" Because okay. that's one of the crazier things. That's where it kind of gets a little bit in the. Yeah. I don't know, Lovecrafty yeah. cosmic horror yeah. territory yeah. here when he's dumping the the monkey into the and he's dumping yeah. it into the middle of this deep lake and this cloud forms in the shape of the monkey and the sun behind the cloud like pours through the eyes that are beaming down on it. It's, it's like this uh, really small story that suddenly gets its crazy scope there at the end as as the storm rushes yeah, over the, the lake. The, di- yeah. the disc of the sun gets kind of bisected, so it looks like gongs or something, which was right. really clever. Was really clever, I thought. Um, however, I mean, the kid is a kid scared of a monkey, so it could be everywhere he looks, he sees a monkey. You know, it's true, but he sees the same supernatural yeah. like yeah. manifestation of this monkey that the yeah. That the yeah. guy sees. And also, I yeah. mean, all those fish didn't just randomly die. That thing's fucking real. The dude didn't go in there. And <laughs> yeah. Go in there and, uh, I don't know, poison the lake. No, know? he didn't. He didn't. No. Well, maybe the boat was made of fish poison. Oh, that's true. That's true. I never thought about that before. That's right, folks. It's time for the mid-roll ad read. Once again, sponsored by the good folks at Athletic Greens and Looney Labs. Let's start with the former. 
We use Athletic Greens products literally every day here at KingCast HQ. I started taking Athletic Greens because, quite frankly, I need it. Lots of people take some kind of multivitamin, and it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients. This stuff is very high quality and doesn't taste like it's uh, super healthy either. In fact, it has kind of a mild tropical taste that uh, I know Eric and I both look forward to every morning. So what is it? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all of the things. It even supports mental clarity and alertness, which is something I definitely need while recording this show. Also, just for the record, it's recommended by pro athletes, not just pudgy podcast hosts. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's cheaper than purchasing all the separate ingredients yourself and all for less than $3 a day. One scoop and a cup of water every time, boom, you are done. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash kingcast. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash kingcast to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And I'm here once again to tell you folks about Lumi Labs. You know we love our Lumi Labs here at KingCast. They are the champions of a little thing called microdosing. That's right. We are talking about those THC gummies that you take throughout the day to keep you mellow, but not you know, high as balls. If you've listened to this, you should know what microdosing is by now. And I've already kind of described it. So that is basically what it is. These Lumi's gummies are made with a synthetic THC strain, which means that you can get this all over the country. It's not uh, dictated by your state's marijuana laws because this is a synthetic THC strain. What I use them for mostly is to help sleep, to you get relaxed. Mm-hmm. I can... Uh, uh, take one right before bedtime, and and it just puts me in the mood to go to sleep. I'm again, I'm not tripping out. I'm not seeing God. I'm not, you know, I'm not floating above my bed. I am just relaxed, and that is what these things are designed for. And uh, they have been a godsend in keeping me off of my vampiric schedule. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com. And if you like what you see, you can use the code KINGCAST to save thirty percent off your first order and get free shipping. Again, that's microdose.com. Code KingCast. Now, with all of that said, let's get back to the show. Hey, how big is this monkey? Like, there's a line in here that says the monkey grinned mockingly at him. Its symbols held a foot apart. And that, like, stopped me because I thought this monkey was eight inches tall. But when the right. symbols are held a foot apart, then that's like a two and a half foot tall monkey. You know? mm. Wait, yeah. what the fuck? I didn't even... I didn't even... I didn't even catch that. Yeah, what's up yeah. with that? Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. This is a I big, would, I, big I old picturing, monkey. I was picturing it like the size of a Furby. Yeah. Remember those <laughs> things? Too. They're like, yeah. I don't yeah. think that's even eight inches. I think that's maybe like six yeah. six inches tall. Yeah. And, and yeah. about that circumference. Mm-hmm. A foot what's apart, a, it would have to have its fucking little arms like <laughs> like, like it's on a cross to yeah. achieve that. Yeah, right? it would. It would. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe someone didn't think their story through too much. I don't think. <laughs> 
Well, and you know, part of that, I you know, this the whole origins of the monkey, which ties into the merchant marines conversation we were just having. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's I think it's less about like, oh, this, you know, this is an excuse for why the dad like disappeared or whatever. Uh-huh. And I think it's just more of like trying to sell the mysticism of this. Yeah. You know, it's like made in Hong yeah. Kong or whatever, yeah. but he didn't pick it up at the local yeah. importer or whatever toy import yeah. like he got it on on his travels so yeah i think it's it's kind of supposed to be like a gremlins kind of i agree thing it where it's yeah. like ooh, got this yeah. exotic you know thing yeah. and brought it home as a present and yeah you know we should I, I'd, like, I'd like to go back to the blu-ray of um the cabin in the woods and go frame by frame through that basement and see if there's a monkey like this down there yeah <laughs> there damn well should be <laughs> yeah it would fit um I mean, it would fit kind of in the curio shop way that like the friday the 13th series in the late right, 80s for sure was, it, it seems like it should have this monkey in it as well. Right. Yeah. There's certainly one of these in the uh, in the Conjuring universe room or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. 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 That's a good one. Yeah. Some, something I'd like to point out, like sort of uh, something Eric said. I, I think that the Hong Kong reference just jogged this loose, this memory mm-hmm. of when I was just reading this. Uh, but there's uh, like a throwaway line in there. And this may be a very racist term that I'm unfamiliar with. Uh, but like the the two brothers are at like a baseball game or something, and there's a reference to Chinese home runs. Did I never heard that. that. Yeah, I yeah. I don't know that. what the fuck that means. Like, Me neither. Huh. Like, I thought it was like a baseball thing. I don't know baseball, so whenever baseball stuff happens on the page, I'm like, sure, sure. You know, it's got the ring of like a racist element yeah. to it, but right. I'm not yeah. sure what context that would be. Yeah. I don't have any uh, idea. Yeah, and there's also some very uncomfortable uses of the N word yeah. in, in this as well to describe the yeah. thing, and it and it it borders on like yes, it, it comes out of the mouth of like the weird uncle or whatever yeah. that nobody yeah. likes. So yeah. it's like, oh well, you, you know, of course that guy would be racist, but then like the way he follows it up, and he's like, it does kind of look like, and I'm just like, whoa, you can't say that, <laughs> yeah, Stephen yeah. King. I don't care if it is 1980. <laughs> this may be good enough for the the readers of Jugs Magazine. <laughs> But not good enough for us. Oh, I keep calling it. Ju- you shouldn't have put jugs in my head. It's, it's, how's that for a sentence? Um, okay, so a Chinese home run is a derogatory and archaic baseball term for a hit that just barely clears the outfield fence at its closest huh. distance to home plate. Huh. It's essentially the shortest possible home run in a ballpark. Wow, that is insulting. Wow. Yeah. yeah, damn. Damn, Stephen wow. King. Well, I can't say that I benefited from having that knowledge introduced into my life. Um, I do like that you, without knowing what it was, you're like, no, this is problematic. And I, I, I sense it. <laughs> well, how could you not? You know, it's just like whenever you're like adding a country's name to a seemingly innocuous thing, it's never yeah. for a good reason. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's no true. one's saying like, oh, we gave him a. It gave him an Irish necktie. Yeah. You're like, what yeah. the fuck yeah. does that mean? You know, and it <laughs> invariably turns out to be something horrible. Yeah. <laughs> right? the, the only good one I can think of is that, what do they call it? A Dutch open where the way you like when you park on a busy city street, you open your driver's side door, not with your left hand, but your right hand. So, so that you're already facing to the sides, so you can see bicyclists coming by and mm. with, not, not have them ram into your door. You know, I've never heard that before. I've heard of a <laughs> yeah. Dutch oven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which uh not not very it's far less considerate <laughs> frankly <laughs> uh one oh, other thing man. that i want to talk about in the story and it's probably my favorite little moment is 
it's the moment after Petey, which is the good son, the son that he likes, that yeah. uh, isn't smoking the reefer and talking back now. Um, he, where he's starting to like get on his dad's side and he's like, he sends him out to go get rocks like as they yeah. form the plan to get rid of the monkey yeah. a- and the monkey senses this and it starts to, yeah. uh, cl- clash the symbols together to like cause a car to kill and hit, hit and kill his son who's out in the road mm-hmm. collecting these rocks mm-hmm. and he stops it with like a toilet brush and, mm-hmm. and he, the, he, the, there's a description in there that like it really sticks with me where he says he felt like rage, like Uh the monkey was enraged and the car barely misses the sun, doesn't hit him and Uh all this stuff. And when the symbols open up again, like the, the uh, toilet brush that he used to, to stop him is like burnt. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, like that little scene does so much in terms of like solidifying the, the supernatural element of this, of this thing. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. That, that's just the that's the moment that stuck out to me on this reread this morning. That is, which, you know, that's that's a really yeah. good, really good to identify that because most horror, horror stories do have that lock in moment, you know, where you're like, oh, this is actually real. This isn't in Hell's Head. And I think you're right. That probably does undo my read that this is possibly in Hell's Head because <laughs> what else is going to have burned that toilet brush, you know? Well, that is him seeing it, you know. Yeah. So like, yeah. you, you yeah. that could still fe- feasibly be like, yeah. he uh, sees it in in his mind's yeah. eye that it's burnt. Yeah, but, but the I fly think I, does die. There's like a fly that's been annoying yeah, yeah, everybody, that, and it dies in that proximity. You know, that but was it, nice. I really liked that fly dying. That was really, I know. really nice. He, uh, he didn't have to chew it or nothing. No, no. He didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but um, um, I like that stopping the sim- the two little symbols from crashing together seems to be um the way to kind of stop this monster. Right. I, it's always really important when you build a monster to give it an off switch of some sort. You know, because that let, <laughs> that give allows- it its kryptonite. Yeah, exactly. In this I case, mean, it's a toilet brush. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But it well, also and- it's it's a little problematic because once he figures out that oh, you just have to keep the symbols from crashing together, then that's not that hard to do, you know. Well, what he, if he, he just ripped he also- his symbols off. Yeah, but he yeah. describes like him patting the symbols before, and then that when he came yeah. back, like the room was destroyed yeah. and the monkey yeah. was back to yeah. normal. You know, yeah. so it was like there's a cost to yeah, there is to doing yeah. that. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. It's kind of like the symbols are the the trumpets that blow in revelations, you know, just <laughs> right. Yeah, there's something that's going to happen, you know, <laughs> did you there's a there there's a, a moment toward the end where uh, one of the characters is talking about they're talking about the Studebaker. Yeah, the guy re- relating the story, I think it's his uncle or something, says that, uh, you know, it wouldn't be found until the judgment Trump blew. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that was also a phrase I had not heard before, but. Uh, Neither would I. Not, not as problematic now. as it, the Chinese home run. Surely not. Um, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, maybe predictive, like uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the idea of the word Trump being attached yeah. to like an Armageddon thing. I just I <laughs> yeah. just got a giggle out of that. It was. Kind oh, of I know. And it, it's weird to see Trump because I think if you did like a statistical analysis of novels published in the last five or six years, you would find the word, the verb Trump showing up less and less because it's like become like a radioactive word we can't use anymore. You know, right. It has. I, I used to yeah. use that word all the Trump, all, all the time. <laughs> all you the know? Trump. All the, I used to Trump and Trump and Trump, 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 Trump all the time. You know, but like, yeah, that was like a common word in my vocabulary. And every time I'm, I'm speaking and it wants to come out of my mouth, I, sometimes I'll go with it and sometimes I won't. Yeah. Which will, if I don't, then it creates a moment where I, I'm like, and, and that, uh, 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 overtakes or, you know, like, (laughs) 
It, so I might as well just say it. I don't know why, but it's just yeah, yeah. the reason I hesitate to do it is because I feel like I feel like by using it, people like it is a loaded word and it yeah. really shouldn't be. It's yeah. just, man, talk about like, how do you you, you poison a whole word? I Not know. just your name or your family's legacy, but just like an entire goddamn word out of the I English know. language. Wild yeah, shit, and it, man. And it was such it was such a useful verb, man. Yeah. You know? I know. Yeah. And an adjective you know. too, like you'd have a trump card, you know? Yeah. yeah. Hitler ruined the mustache for everybody and, <laughs> and Trump ruined ruined that. Uh, I was gonna say word. it's good that Hitler isn't a verb. <laughs> <laughs> Although Kanye might have a different <laughs> Oh man. Uh, yeah. uh, um man. Wh- while we're on the subject of monkeys and horror. And yes. because we touched on this earlier, I'm curious, Stephen, if you have seen Monkey Shines. Mm. Yeah, it's a, been so long that I don't remember. I remember it was scary to me when I saw it, but I don't remember anything about it. No, it's been a while. Now, have y'all seen it recently? I did, actually, because it came up on the show once before. Uh-huh. I think maybe we did an episode, like a bonus episode about George Romero and his work with King. Okay. Yeah. And I think Monkey Shines came up during that. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, uh, we were talking on that episode. Like I mentioned on that episode, I hadn't seen it and was urged to see it. And I saw yes. it like shortly thereafter. And I really liked it still to me. Like it's it. My memory of it is it felt like, Oh, that's exactly what I thought this would probably be then. Yeah. You yeah. know, but it's, it's, uh, it's well-directed and you know, right. I, I do like seeing a monkey. So, yeah. you know, I got my money's worth, I feel like, but nice. um, still yeah. like, I just think of that cover box. Yeah. Right? It's, and it's so iconic. I agree. And I was so mad when that's not the monkey in the movie, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. I thought it would, I don't think there even is one of those in the movie. Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> did you, do you expect the a toy monkey to be helping the quadriplegic? <laughs> no, but I thought maybe he would have one on his desk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe the toy monkey, like mashing its symbols, like makes the, makes the, the helper monkey mad or something. Mm, maybe yeah, they could do yeah. battle in a climactic scene. <laughs> yeah, I would have enjoyed yeah. seeing that. You know, <laughs> monkey versus monkey. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but no, none of that. For some reason, Monkey Shines is really tangled up in my head with um, what's that movie? Was it Cat's Eye? Was that the mm-hmm. other Yeah, for, I don't know why those two. I think they're years apart and they're not the same content. But for some reason, they're really tangled up in my head. Mm. Yeah. They do have a similar feel of like a mid to late eighties like mm-hmm. look of film, and mm-hmm. and it's also possible because they were both like cable staples as well. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's probably so yeah. you, it's possible you watched them a lot, you know, yeah, yeah. on cable and yeah. uh, right around that same time. There's this they probably shared a rotation in, in a year yeah. period. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Hmm. yeah, that's a good, that's a good. Yeah. Point. You know, when the story opens up, they're like going through boxes and I 100 percent thought it was a Christmas morning that they're opening presents, you know, and then I, oh, you, yeah. slowly, you slowly realize they're going through the items of a dead relative, you know, uh-huh. a, like a fun escalation. I thought nice. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I wouldn't uh, have thought of that. There's also a really, really super creepy thing at the end where he's imagining the monkey, the monkey falling down into the, the pitch blackness and the the hole and like falling past the, the car. And he's like seeing all the dead kids from Mm -hmm. his childhood that he Mm -hmm. made sure the monkey killed and stuff like uh, out there. Like, I don't know, like that whole ending on the lake has a surreal, yeah, uh, almost like Guillermo del Toro esque, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah, mm-hmm. like a beautiful horror, you know, yeah. thing to it. So no, it I, totally does. And it's wholly unlike almost anything else King has written. He's he's written so much horror stuff, but like 
I don't know. There's almost an, an awesome and, uh, I don't know, like macabre scene that he's painting here that, that is just weirdly different in tone from a lot of his stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I can't really put my finger on why it's different, but it just, it feels like King doing something that he doesn't really do often. For well, it this feels last grandiose, stretch. particularly for right. a story like this. Right. You know, there are big spectacles in like the stand or it uh-huh. or the dark tower, but for like, you know, the sky to open up essentially. And then a giant cloud monkey that's framed perfectly by the sun. And then <laughs> right. the boat falling apart, which is, I, I, I think that might be my favorite thing in it is the description of like uh-huh. the boards cracking and then yeah. he hears the metal snapping and realize it's the nails. And it's, it's yeah. so, mm-hmm. you know, you can, you can put yourself in that moment and imagine hearing that it's, uh, it's, uh, awe inspiring, you yeah. know, and, and there's for something that huge in a story that's ultimately this short, mm-hmm. um, does feel different for him. Yeah. I agree. And then there's some really knockout writing too. Like my, my favorite line in here is he lay awake until very late until morning began to gray the air outside. Like that's a line I so wish I had written, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. He really put some, some hard work into this story. It feels like, well, yeah. I guess that's, that's, I'm assuming that he's not talented enough to do it the first time. I'm assuming nobody is, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, is there yeah. anything else we want to uh, talk about in relation to the monkey? Mm. Well, to, to the story, yeah, like the grossest part of the story for me is has nothing to do with the monkey. It has to do with the ragman. Hell, like, like Stephen King, when characters blow their noses in his stories, it's always like a big event, you know. And it's uh-huh. always, it's, it's never anything I want to read any more of. You know? <laughs> it's a, like it's like accompanied by a line that's like. And then the wet smack yeah, into the handkerchief. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the, the, the rack man just blows into his hand and then wipes it on his handkerchief. And I was like, good grief. You know, how can you live like that? <laughs> but do you remember the, 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 the caretaker, the maintenance man in um, The Shining? He's like always honking yes. into his, his handkerchief yeah. or whatever, you know? Yeah. And he, then, yeah. He ins- then he inspects it for a long time, like like judging the quality, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, th- that, that is a common thing in King's writing. It's always somebody admiring their, their work. When whenever they're blowing their nose. Yeah. I know. And <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's so much mucus talk in the stand. There's uh, I, I'm oh, thinking yeah. of uh, in, if it bleeds and rat, like there's the dude that gives him the, the flu yeah. at, the, at yeah. the grocery store. And he's just like, yeah, he's describing the same thing. Just like hawking green, yeah. <laughs> green. Oh, and shit. man. Oh, and uh, Stephen King really likes describing the uh, phlegmy stuff. I've, he I've, does, uh, and he's really he's really good at it too. Like it's almost like he has like nerves that the rest of us don't have. Because if I try to do that, then I'm going to be dry heaving at my keyboard. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we we found Stephen Graham Jones's kryptonite. He he can yeah. handle it's booger, road snakes. He can handle <laughs> angry wasps, yeah. spiders, well, shrines. Yeah. He can handle all that stuff, but he can't yeah. can't handle boogers. Yeah, and I can't yeah. handle like uh, sometimes I'll watch America's Funny some videos, and I can't watch that show when I'm eating because pretty soon there's going to be a baby spitting up or throwing up, and that's, uh, my, meal, my meal is over at that point. You know? Do you do you love those videos of like the parents clearing baby sinuses by like no. shooting water up one nostril, and then it's just all the gunk fl- flows out of the other? What? <laughs> I'm probably gonna throw up. <laughs> that's a thing. <laughs> it is. 
Why would they yeah. do that? Oh my god! And then the worst, the worst are there. There are people that use that like as a sorry, Stephen. <laughs> See, they use it like almost like as, as a douche for the nose. But then there are parents that'll literally just use their mouths and suck it out. And what? Then yeah. yeah. Oh, come the fuck on! It's true. Oh. I've seen videos. It's the most heinous shit I've ever seen. And I've where seen have you seen videos of this? It's been on TikTok. It's been on you know yeah. YouTube compilations of, of TikTok. You know, funny. So this is a recent thing. This isn't like an e bomb world thing from fucking 20 I, years sure ago it's been common common knowledge yeah. in our common practice oh, i think i think naturally i automatically just don't pay attention to anything involving babies <laughs> I, don't, I don't like kids or babies so fuck fuck oh. you with these if i see a link to a baby video i'm gonna assume it's doing something cute and me uh, i don't want to yeah. see that man i, I need, well, I need this a... is decidedly not cute maybe you'll like these ones yeah, I need a forget me now pill from Arrested Development, man. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you but know, like it wouldn't be a successful to... episode if we didn't try to get get our guest to vomit on air. Yeah, we've had urination on air, but not not, not a good barfing. <laughs> you know, we gotta. Uh, we yeah, need I... to. You know, Eric, we really need to start working harder on this show. We need <laughs> yeah. to. We're just well, not get... diving deep yeah. enough. You got close. You got close. I nearly threw up, man. <laughs> The real challenge is how do we get someone to shit their pants on air? <laughs> I'll, I'll load up the brown note and replace the baseball boy noise with it. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I wonder if, you know, the title of this story, I wonder if, I feel like it, I mean, the monkey is a good title. It's a serviceable title. I don't know. Is is there a better title? Can y'all think? I don't know. Mm. It's hard to come up with better titles. It's always easy to diagnose a bad title. It's hard to come up with a good title, you know? Um, I don't know. Anything... Anything I can think of sounds stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm terrible at coming up like, with titles. Like so. for instance, symbols. That sounds like a Dean Koontz title to me. <laughs> yeah, that's a total Dean Koontz title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whispers in the dark. Dragon fire. Okay, <laughs> Dean, calm down. Yeah, yeah. But like King can do good titles. Like what? Sometimes they come back and all that. You know, he. he he can definitely do it. Um, well, Monkey Shines would have been a great title for. That, that would have been true. Perfect. I think. I think that's why I'm thinking of that because I because yeah. that movie was in my head and that is a really good title. Oh wait, I got it. Murderous George. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah, man. Yeah, but you know it's funny because this this story does it feels like a almost like a dry run for The Shining. Yet it came out what three years after The Shining. You know, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine King kept it in his drawer for three years. So it could just be that the same issues arise over and over. When I know they did with me, anyways. You know, right. Yeah. Hmm. Well, and as you mentioned, there's there's a lot of like precursor to it and the recurring yeah. horror and the yeah. past tying into the present and you know yeah. the kid story informing the adult story. Yeah. It does feel like he's he's playing and playing around with some tropes that'll become like more solidified later. It does. It uh, definitely yeah. feels like that. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, but there's also like that's such a, a a big horror thing now. I mean, that's the this idea of the unshakable curse, which is kind of what this is, right? Uh-huh. So this is uh-huh. this is the ring, this is the grudge, you know, this is um, you know, it follows or smile more recently, yeah. you know, where it's yeah. just kind of this thing where once it, and I really love that kind of horror. Actually, I love that thing where it's just like, "Yep, you can research, you can do whatever you you're gonna do." Uh, in the end, it doesn't fucking matter. You know, yeah. you just happen to yeah. be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, you're, and you know, one missed call is gonna happen to you. You know, yeah, like, for sure. Not... 
Yeah, the yeah. the research that they do in those those stories is generally for the audience audience's benefit, so we can understand what's going on. It never really helps the character. Yeah, yeah. and like, right. and almost the the answer is almost always in that is you can save yourself by fucking somebody else over. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the ring. Right. That's it follows. The only yeah. way to to get rid yeah. of the curse is to give it to somebody else and perpetuate it. You know, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Oh, and you yeah. know, talking smile. That's one of my former students too. It's pretty. I think that's pretty. Oh, cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, Wait, he's, what? The guy that directed. Yeah, Parker Finn. Yeah. Oh, that's in my, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we were, I guess he was in my class. It's probably been eight or 10 years. But. Did he smile a lot? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Have you talked to him since the movie came out? Yeah. Yeah. I told him congratulations. Yeah. That dude's yeah. got to be like just losing his fucking mind right now. I heard it's like up to 200 million worldwide. That's what I hear. Yeah. It's doing great, man. Yeah, that's crazy. Was, I think it was supposed to initially just show on Paramount, but then it got such good like audience response at their test screenings yeah. that they said, "Let's do wide release, man." Yeah. Well, you can't go wrong with horror at the box office right now. I don't think so either, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and also just the the movie sells itself. And the creepy smiling yeah thing is such a, in, a great like gift to marketing, mm-hmm. and then they ran with it like the, them planting people at sporting events. Yeah, that, was that really would just stare at the camera and smile creepily yeah. yeah like that that they got so much value out of that whoever did oh, that yeah. deserves deserves a, a big raise no definitely yeah. definitely brilliant idea yeah um yeah i had one more thing about this story what was it oh chris yo y'all mentioned it earlier crystal lake why, why does king do that y'all think is he is it just like i know the horror audience is going to read this and they know jason Voorhees, so i should say crystal lake like do y'all have any mm. theories on why he does that um well let's see when did the well the first one came out in in 1980, in June of yeah. 80, I believe. And so yeah. did the story. Yeah. But we don't, know if, we don't know if Crystal Lake was in the rewrite or in the original. Mm. Yeah. It might just be kind of a nice generic New England lake name, you know? Oh, yeah, it could be. Yeah. I didn't think about um, that. Wow. But it is it is weird to look at it now where, uh-huh. you know, it's talking about all these things that are at the bottom of the lake. And it's like, yeah. well, how's... Is the monkey going to come back? Well, maybe a psychotic, or not a psychotic, maybe a psychic teenager can wake yeah. her up with their telekinesis, you know? Yeah, for sure. Terry oh, visits yeah. the lake. and Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Friday the 13th did. They have Tina from yeah, Summer 7. Yeah. It's, yeah. May was the release date, and the story came out May. in the November issue of oh. Gallery. Okay. So it's possible. It's possible. It is. It will. And especially at that point, like naming it after this thing, it's like, yeah, that movie's successful, but it wasn't the juggernaut franchise yeah. yet. Yeah. And it was Crystal Lake yeah. wasn't in yeah. everybody's mind. And King did watch and does still watch a shit ton of horror. So it, yeah. if he yeah. was writing this after seeing Friday the 13th, he, it wouldn't surprise me that he's like, oh, it'll be funny to yeah. name uh, my lake Crystal Lake too. And then, yeah. you know, then of course now it becomes you know just like this horror name yeah, mainstay yeah, yeah. and he Where did want to write if he did, he did want to write a Voorhees novel at one point yeah he did yeah so did i man I, I i talked to an entertainment lawyer and everything but i couldn't get any rights <laughs> rights to, to use the hockey mask so i had to use an elk head and only good indians you know mm. <laughs> interesting but you know king also i guess gremlins was 84 and y'all mentioned how this kind of has that gremlin you know find something in asia mm-hmm. and bring it bring it home um and he does have hal drive that gremlins that gremlin car later you know? right which feels Joe like Dante not- and steven spielberg and chris columbus they all read this <laughs> yeah for sure man for sure yeah we're gonna get joe dante on the show go all right now we're, we got to settle some shit the gremlins is just a ripoff of the monkey isn't it man i tried to get dante on the show once like early on right and I I, like uh talk to like talk to him in dms on twitter 
and was like, hey, would you be willing to come on the show? And it was like, yeah, but not right now. And blah, blah, blah. You know, busy. It was like, right on. I'll try again in a few months. And then a few months later, I tried again. And whoever responded, it was not Joe Dante. Oh. And was just like, yeah, he's really busy right now. I was like, who the fuck have I been talking to all this yeah. time? <laughs> right. yeah. What is going on here? So yeah, I remember he was the only guest that we've reached out to that was just like, ask me again next year. And this is, it wasn't like October, November. This is like, you know, spring. <laughs> we were reaching out. It's just like, God damn, really? It's like, okay. Yeah. That's a good way to get me to forget about asking. <laughs> it is. A lot can happen in a year, Joe. I don't know. Yeah. I, I like so hearing, Joe Dante, like, if you're listening to this. Yeah. Yeah. We'd love to have you on, man, but you know, come on now. <laughs> I, lo- I love listening to him in interviews. He's he's so smart and so direct too. He's like John yeah. Carpenter kind of, you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He he's also such a true blue cinephile, especially mm-hmm. with genre mm-hmm. stuff like that. That's the you know if you ever watch his uh, trailers from hell mm-hmm. stuff, you know it's like he he's kind of uh, to genre what like Scorsese is to world yeah. cinema. You know, yeah. it's like he yeah. he is a champion of all the forgotten. Uh, like, you know, rock and roll, juvenile delinquent movies yeah. and yeah. weird 60s, you know, atomic scare horror movies and stuff. Yeah. 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 We talked hey, to Carpenter about doing the show at one point, but he, he, oh, it really? was like a, it was a pass. Um, yeah. Or we talked to, you know, some, yeah. you know, whoever you yeah. talk to before you get to Carpenter. We talked to Sandy, his, his, his wife. She was the one that was like doing the push for us. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was like a no. But honestly, man, um, one of my favorite things is to read interviews with carpenter whenever uh-huh. a new round of them comes out because he's like yeah. the grumpiest motherfucker he is yeah and just yeah. does not give a fuck anymore he's just like yeah hey, you get paid no matter what I'm yeah gonna, leave me alone i'm playing you know uh, xbox yeah but yeah but yeah. he doesn't care yeah and i think honestly if we had him on the show i think i'd be like i'd be scared shitless of him because i don't think john carpenter would uh, enjoy my shenanigans. I'd be letting Eric do all the talking on that episode <laughs> and just asking all the smart questions because yeah. yeah, I've interviewed Carpenter a lot actually over the years and probably two or three hours worth of interviews over the last 10, 15 years. Wow. Yeah, and he's got such a reputation with like being difficult, and I don't know if I just got lucky or what, but like I feel like. The thing is, is that with Carpenter, I think the key to him is that he's such a huge like Howard Hawks fan and a fan of like old movies that if he gets the feeling that, you know, your shit, at least a little bit when it comes to like classic cinema, that he'll engage with you a little bit more and he'll be more willing to answer your your generic Halloween questions or whatever after. Yeah, probably. That's a that's a good tactic. And I think if you also have like basketball on in the background, that'll keep like (laughs) that'll keep him occupied. You know, (laughs) if we had him on the show, Scott, we could just talk about Fallout because he's apparently a huge Fallout fan. So it would be funny to do an episode with Carpenter and we just don't announce the title, but it's just us talking about fallout the whole time. <laughs> it's just video. Games. And then at the very really end, you're like, John, do you like uh, the shining? And he's like, yeah, it's all right. It's all right. I'm like, all right, well, thank you for coming on. And <laughs> man, let's it, talk but... about dead space and fallout. Yeah. And yeah. Destiny and all these other real random shit that he, yeah. he plays all the time. Yeah. You know, I was watching some interview with him from like the late seventies and, um, they were asking him about Spielberg and Lucas, and he's just totally trash talking them. You oh, know, and I'm, yeah, I I'm that, like, yeah. how do you talk bad about Spielberg and Lucas when they're the titans in the industry and they can step on you? I mean, he had he had huge movies. He's a great director and amazing talent, but still, how can you be as big as Spielberg and Lucas? You know, 
I think he just he truly does not give a fuck, and he yeah, doesn't yeah. have to. You know, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think it's really refreshing to see that kind of stuff, even yeah. when I don't agree with him, because I saw that yeah. same thing and was just like, "No, oh, come on, man." Yeah, but yeah. um, yeah, you know, I think that in general, that's a a refreshing thing to see. It is, you know, it totally typically, is. Yeah. You know, and I know this, and I'm sure Eric knows this from doing years of like junket interviews or these things where you've got like eight minutes with somebody or whatever. It's like that you're not really talking to those people. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a, they have a list of questions. They already know how to answer. They've already been asked them 15,000 times that day. Mm-hmm. So they can just go on autopilot, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't, no. I don't get that feeling from him at yeah. all. No. He's just yeah, a really, know. a truly real dude. He really is. I like that a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know, talking to monkey, I just, I'm just thinking of this. What do y'all think happened to the merchant marine father? Did did the monkey kill him, or did the father abandon his family? Mm, that's and, a very good question. question. And how does, um, how does how does that impact the story? You know, I my guess is because of it, the inclusion of Beulah huh? uh, and the autobiographical yeah. things ties that we know that that uh, my guess is this is King kind of being fanciful and writing that his father didn't leave him, but he was killed by this cursed monkey. Hmm. Okay. You know what I mean? Very yeah. good theory. Yeah. I like yeah. that. My, my feeling is that, that that's the intent, whether or not, you know, yeah. that, uh, comes through. Yeah. The, the, the Beulah inclusion is just too. Yeah. That's too my answer much, too. I was going to say that first, but then Eric. Yeah. Said, oh yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. What would monkey shine? Was I say, I was about to say the wrong title. Would this make a good, fe- <laughs> a good, a good feature. Y'all think. I do think it would make for a good episode of uh, Cabinet of Curiosities. Yeah, I've been watching yeah, that. Yeah. You know, I, I, it seems like it's doing really well. I think it'll get a second season. Uh-huh. Um, and I saw someone just today on Twitter, like there was some sort of prompt tweet going around, but like, what other stories would you like to see adapted for? Yeah, yeah. Cabinet of Curiosities, and my buddy uh, Brian Duffield, the guy that directed uh, what you call Spontaneous. Oh, I love yeah. Spontaneous. Uh, oh, it's so fucking good. Yeah, it is. He's, he's yeah. got a new movie coming that I don't I don't know that it's even been announced or uh-huh. anyone knows anything about it yet, but it's going to fucking be awesome. Really? Um, oh, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm determined to get him on the show when uh when that one opens, but he uh he was pitching the jaunt for Cat yeah. Curiosity, so yeah. I was like, mm. "Of course. Like yeah. that's that's brilliant. Finally we could get a jaunt adaptation." Yeah. It only needs to be like 45 minutes long. Yeah, right? you know, that's true. And that, that, the John is back when King would show that his characters had endured a horror ordeal by turning their hair white. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It was a little bit more than that, Stephen. Come yeah, on. Now. Yeah. He, he was also <laughs> a child that was uh, ancient and somehow. Yeah. 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 And had white hair for sure. Yeah, but yes. Yeah. You know, I think we, I think we might end up talking to, Guillermo del Toro again, some sometime soon, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we've got to we got to get him on him uh, get on him about making a king title for uh, curiosities yeah. too. Yeah, Fuck for yeah. sure. That and the monkey nice. would be a good fit. I could I could see this working as a feature if you play it right. I can ac- actually see the the marketing where you just do it. You kind kind of copy the smile marketing yeah. where that's the poster oh, yeah. is just a close up of the fucked up monkey face. Like it, it totally fits within That's just the cover of Monkey Shines. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean everything's just something that came before the at this point. There's nothing original, but like I can see how 
you can cut a trailer around it. I can see how yeah. you can uh, you could really sell this in the kind of uh, Blumhouse era, right? Yeah, this feels yeah. like uh, maybe not a Blumhouse. Maybe this is well, I guess so. It's, it's like a Conjuring universe thing. If you can like uh-huh. look at how they marketed Annabelle and and all that stuff, you could do something similar yeah. here. Whether it holds together as a feature. I mean, listen. If if child's play can work, I think you can you can yeah. make this thing about you know, once the symbols start clashing, yeah. people dying in Final Destination esque kind of ways is could that, be really fun. That's you know? precisely what the trailer would look like too. It would be yeah. it would start off, and it would be it just cold open on the monkey sitting there on a shelf, not mm-hmm. moving, and it would go, mm-hmm. and then it would cut to like the kid finding something in a box, and be like, "Daddy, what is this?" And then close up symbols. Chang, mm-hmm. and then it would cut to another thing, you know, and like it, yeah. it would keep cu- cutting back to the symbols as they got faster and faster and faster. Mm-hmm. And then it would probably yeah. be the money shot at the end of that trailer would be the monkey in the sky. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can see that clear as day. That would yeah. be nice. Although, you know, if if I were the one adapting this to a feature, I might make it all happen in the present. I, w- I don't know if I go back to Hal's childhood. I might have him have no history with a monkey. He finds the monkey. It's a terrible haunted cursed object and it starts right. killing people left and right, you know, because sto- like stories that have to dip into the past every like six steps, they, I don't know, they don't work so well. And mm, lose their on momentum. Screen. Yeah. They you, do. You, yeah. you turn this into it chapter one where it's, <laughs> yeah. ju- it's just the yeah. kid and the monkey story. And then they have to come back in chapter two to finally destroy it forever. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's have true. you, ever, not, have you yeah. written screenplays, Steven? Yeah. I've done, I've done adaptations for people. Yeah. Yeah. Have I, they I been this. made? No, they have not. No, I've I got paid, but the the stuff I got paid and fired. You know, which is the, be- <laughs> the best possible best possible outcome, probably. <laughs> yeah, no chance of the the script getting hacked up on its way to the yeah, screen. I suppose. Yeah, exa- exactly. Man. But um, I love the screenplay format. But I have um done writers' rooms, and you know, I, I put my toe in the waters of Hollywood and found that it's full of piranhas. You know, so I just try, <laughs> I try right. to write I try to write books, man. <laughs> <laughs> How would you how would you feel about it if they wanted to adapt one of your novels? Yeah, you I mean, know, that's, and that, they were like, "We're not yeah. interested in you writing this. We yeah, just want no, that, to buy the rights." That that's actually a lot of people come to me to um, <laughs> they they want me to adapt my own stuff, and I did that once, and now I just say, "I'll just find somebody good" because I don't want to I don't I don't want to deal with all these notes, you know. They gave you notes on an adaptation of your own book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and I probably need them. I'm not saying they're wrong because I am. Sure. A nov- I am a novelist, and television storytelling and feature film storytelling are different beasts, you know. And so, fair enough. I think novelists, when we come to screenplays, we tend to tell a novel but dress it up like a screenplay, you know. Like, yeah. We don't, I don't think we necessarily understand the beats of a scene in the way a real dramatist does. That's fair. Um, yeah, so I, I'm I'm not saying that they're wrong with their notes. I'm just saying I prefer notes from fiction editors because I know what to do with those a lot better. You know, right on. That's fair. Yeah. Mm. But I, I am I am EP on a few different projects going moving ahead right now on my stuff. You know, so none of them fun. announced yet. None of them announced. No, we're Ooh. actually work working on that right now. Who knows if that announcement comes through or not? You know. Well, no one <laughs> of them, one of them is announced. Actually, Earth Divers, that comic book uh, that came out, yeah, two or three weeks ago. It's it's moving forward really quickly. So, Where at? Twentieth Television, Disney. Oh, right on. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, we we have be like a Hulu thing or a Disney Plus thing. Hulu Hulu thing, I believe. Yeah, I ah, think right um, Earth Divers probably gets far too bloody for Disney. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Hulu's quickly become one of my favorite of the streamers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some of my favorite things that I've seen in the last few years were on Hulu. 
Yeah. It used to be like Netflix was my uh-huh. go-to or Prime, and both of those uh-huh. have kind of fallen off. Uh-huh. And I'm looking more and more like used to be I would log in, I would look at Netflix, then I'd look at yeah. Prime, and I'd do this fucking stupid dance every night, yeah. look yeah. trying to find something to watch. Mm-hmm. And Hulu would be like my last choice. And now it's like my number one. Yeah. You know? I mean, well, Hulu used to just be for catching up on episodes of television, it feels like. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but now it whoever is curating their collections, and also it's not just about curation, it's about um like indexing it and giving it to the to the user because yeah like Amazon Prime they have tons of stuff but it it's like you there's so much stuff you can't even process a tenth of it you know and um yeah which, unless you're coming Prime, to it with a title and searching yeah. for it like mm-hmm. good yeah. luck yeah yeah the trouble with Prime too is they also mix in all the stuff that that you have to pay to to yeah. watch with yeah. what's free and it gets really yeah. confusing and oh it does man yeah yeah it and does like you think you're watching something then it's like oh this this is free with ads somehow and now yeah. i'm like well I, i'd much ra- <laughs> i'd rather just not watch it than watch it with ads i'm oh, sorry no I'm, I'm, sure. getting, I'm getting old here you know you know also amazon i remember back when they did their prime music or whatever it was i tried that for four or six weeks and um i don't know if it's like this anymore but Used to, you would like type in Creedence Clearwater Revival if you want to listen to the playlist centered around CCR. And after a few songs, it would drop into like um, sound alike covers of Creedence, yep. which I think they have to pay less for or something. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. I, would, I, would, I would always feel like I'm I'm singing along with somebody who's not John Fogarty, and I feel like I've been, <laughs> right. be, I've been betrayed. You know, <laughs> I I didn't sign up for a cover band. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Nobody sounds like John yeah. Fogarty. God damn it, except for John Fogarty. But you know, with um, with Hulu, when you first sign on and you you say that you click on your own profile and it says like um for me it says hello Stephen, and uh-huh. you'll notice that it says hello in white and then the comma is white and the the word is the your name is in green and then it closes quotation marks I think um oh every time I see that I just like almost giggle because when Hulu was first coming up and I was signed up for them I would write them so many emails saying how you need a um, direct address comma there that I, I'm being insulted every time I look at this. And finally that direct, <laughs> the, the direct, that comma showed up and I was like, yes, I'm going to be here forever. You, know? you made change. You made change in this world. Yeah. Let's yeah. just give this fucking guy what he wants. He won't stop with the emails. You Andy Dufresne them. And now they're sending you money for your library. Apparently yeah. ate a live Hornet at one point. We don't want to fuck with this character. Let's just let's give him the comma. <laughs> Well, Stephen, oh, we we thank you very much for uh, for being here today. I'm oh. excited to read uh, Clown Brigade, which when this thank airs you. is is already out. And yep, um, you know, I imagine we'll be talking to you again before uh, your next one comes out. Do you want to? Uh, do you want to uh, tell the people? Yeah, what that next thing is, and and where they yeah. can find you and all that stuff. The next novel is Don't Fear the Reaper. It's the follow up to My Heart Is a Chainsaw. It comes out February seventh. It's a highly anticipated. See, I will <laughs> yeah. I'll try to I'll try to get y'all early copies of that if y'all are interested. Um, Hell yeah. People went ape shit for the for the first one. You know? Yeah, no, it's really fortunate that people are hanging out with Jade, the protagonist. You know, I feel like she needs a lot of friends and she got a lot of friends, you know, so I couldn't be more thrilled. But yeah, that that's coming out in February. But in the few months before February, every month I'll have another issue of Earth Divers out too, which is going back in time to kill Columbus to stop America from happening. <laughs> <laughs> hell yes <laughs> well yeah, thank you yeah. go ahead go ahead oh you told me to say where to find me you can just type my name into any search bar i'll probably come up twitter is the only social media i use right on especially now that it's owned wholly by elon musk so it's gonna be, <laughs> oh, it's gonna be a wonderful place 
Yeah, I heard somebody. Uh, I saw somebody post today on Twitter. It's like somebody just pooped in the glass of pee I was drinking. You know. <laughs> <laughs> How am I supposed to enjoy my piping hot vase of urine when this billionaire is shit in it? <laughs> That's great. Well, thank well, you so much for being here today. We look forward to talking to you again, which I imagine will be uh, sooner rather than later. Yep. And, uh, you know, thanks for being here. Man, it was wonderful to talk about the monkey with you. Yes, indeed. Many thanks once again to our reigning champion, Stephen Graham Jones. Yes. Uh, he, we, we talk a lot about the kind of Mount Rushmore of King Cast guests, and he is uh, slowly climbing the ranks. I think he is trying to challenge the Brian Fullers and the Mallory O'Meara's of this, of this show. He, I think he wants a place on that, that thing. And I think that's probably why he keeps coming up with these more and more outrageous animal stories, animal encounter stories. Yeah, we, we need to hook him up to a lie detector test. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, the next one is going to be like him fighting alien snakes or something. I don't, I'm not mm-hmm. going to. And I'll buy it because, you know, that dude's gone through so much shit in his life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and like, yeah. why not? Why not? Yes, we want to believe, but we want to do our due diligence. So, <laughs> But we love that Stephen Graham Jones and welcome him back anytime. And uh, I think as we said in the in that initial chat that we had with him here that uh, he's got a new book coming out at the beginning of next year. So this yeah. probably won't be the last time you hear from uh, Mr. Jones. Indeed. I would, I would expect to hear from him early next year. In fact, <laughs> for sure. Uh, and that'll be his third appearance. So it's our turn to pick his title. Mm. We'll have to pick out something nice and ghoulish for him to talk about. Mm, in fact, that... I have a good idea, what I'd like to hear him talk about. Ooh, we'll I, talk about it off air. Yeah, but, I'm all ears. Yeah. This is intriguing. Yeah. Uh, but what you don't have to wait many months to hear is next week's episode. And right now is the time for us to tease that. So the topic next week is Jerusalem's Lot. I can say that the short story uh, prequel to Salem's Lot that was originally published in Night Shift. Mm-hmm. Um, that was then uh, quasi adapted into Chapel Weight, which funnily enough, now that uh, we talk about it, I don't think in this hour and a half long conversation we had it never with, uh, next up. week's guests that <laughs> that ever came up. I think we focused on cosmic horror. We focused on uh, the unknowable. We focused on vampires. We focused on Salem's Lot, Jerusalem's Lot. We even talk about One for the Road a lot, which is the other uh, Salem's Lot centric story from Night Shift. Mm-hmm. But we never talked about Chapel Weight. So uh, we talk about a lot of good stuff, but uh, not Chapel Weight. Uh, but you guys are going to be really excited for these guests. They are a directing duo, uh, very popular, especially among the indie film scene, and uh, first time guests on the show. They've never been on the show before. That's true. We were very happy to have them. And on the Patreon this Friday, I am pleased to report that we are going to have our latest KingCast commentary track uh, featuring. Wait, do I say who the guest is? Oh, yeah. Very well. Our guest is uh, freaky screenwriter Michael Kennedy, who who came on the show before and did uh, carry to the rage. Mm. Um, we asked Michael if he'd like to come back and do a commentary since he was so entertaining. And he said yes. And we said, what? commentary do you want to do he said carry Two: the rage so um we're going to be covering carry Two: the rage uh beat for beat this time around um and we will finally have that one knocked off our to-do list on uh in terms of the commentaries we still need to <laughs> tackle we are yep. slowly but surely working our way through all of them yeah we haven't recorded it yet but i am 
I am pretty sure that it's going to be quite a nostalgia trip for Mr. Wampler and I, because that is, mm-hmm. we're talking the heyday of our high school experience is heavily nineties what's shit. captured in yes. that late nineties movie that is kind of sort of related to Carrie and, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, uh, features home improvement, Zachary Ty Bryan getting his nut shot off by a spear gun. Hell Yeah. And uh, lots of other really interesting things. There's probably some hacky sack going on in there. Some some chokers, you know, all the 90s things. Indeed. Indeed. We're looking forward to that as well uh, as you should. Is that how I phrase that? As well as you should? As... <laughs> yeah, you just turned into Stephen Hawking for a little bit, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, meet yeah. us on the Patreon for that on Friday. And if you're not already signed up for the Patreon, I don't know what to tell you. Every week, you're going to get a bonus episode. It features usually with a special guest. Sometimes it's just Vespi and I. But generally speaking, a uh, special guest and bonus episodes can take all kinds of forms. They could be deep dives into trailers. They could be um, just a, a conversation, like a, a regular episode of the show, you know, about a specific short, short story novel or something like that. Or they could be commentaries or... I don't know, a million other things. We've got like, I don't know, 150 episodes on there. Sign up now and you get access to all of them. You, you just go through that. You'll have you'll be like a kid in the candy store. I have a yeah. field day on the sure. on the aisles of the, the KingCast Patreon. <laughs> yeah. So head you... on over to patreon.com backslash the KingCast to do that uh, at your e- earliest convenience, please. Hell yeah. Come, come on, join us. us. We have fun over there. And if yes. uh, you dig the show and you've only listened to the main feed, then you've only gotten half the show. So go go get that other half, babies. Indeed. All right. So next week, join us again here. Same bat time, same bat channel <laughs> and, uh, for our discussion on Jerusalem's lot. And uh, then this Friday, we will have that commentary with uh, Michael Kennedy for The Rage Carry 2. Indeed. Talk to you later, folks. Bye. The KingCast is a Fangoria podcast production. The show is produced, hosted, and created by Eric Vespi, that's me, and Scott Wampler. Tira Ansley and Abby Goel are executive producers. Daniel Danger is our art director, and editing is done by yours truly. Yours truly.